0: You know, I played uh, professional baseball in America, for those of you who know what baseball is. I know when I first got to Africa, a few African men asked me, what did you do before you became a missionary? And then I said, I was a baseball player. And of course, they scratched their head and they said, what's that? They had no clue what a baseball, I said, well, it's like cricket, you know, so I, I didn't know, you know. The only thing they knew me for when I got to Africa was I brought this, Amen. and that was enough. Amen. Because when I would go in the bush, first of all, I was the only one that had a Bible. No one had a Bible. So I had a concordance. I had a Bible. And I would go into a village, and I would say, this is God's book. This is not for America. Not for Americans. It's not for Canadians. It's not for just Africans. It's for the entire world. Okay? The book of Revelation says when we're around the throne of God, there's every kindred, tribe, and nation. Let me tell you something there's, not, there's there's only one race it's called the human race God made a man and God made a woman I mean come on okay but the old devil when we get away from the truth we will believe a lie I made mention many years ago after being 20 something years going from village to village seeing people that have never had a bible never heard the name of Jesus I never met an atheist in the bush. They looked up at the sky and said, see the moon, see the stars. The Lord, he made that. Now, these people can't read. They've never been to Sunday school. They don't have a Bible. Who told you that? Well, if you want a reference, you turn to Psalms 19. Psalm 19 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. And then it says there's not a language on this earth where that voice is not heard. The voice of creation. So when people ask me, well, what about the heathen? I met them. Some of them, by the way, live in Burnaby. Okay, I'm, you know, (laughs) I cut somebody off kind of accidentally, and they didn't appreciate that today. So I'm sure they had a few choice words for me. I tried to apologize, you know, but it was kind of difficult. But anyway, you know what I mean. I mean the fact that creation has a voice. And if you listen to that, guess what happens next? God then becomes sort of interested in your curiosity. Listen to me. Okay? See, God is not obligated to reveal truth to you if you don't want it. And God reveals truth through creation. So they look up and they go, well, there's got to be a God. I want to know Him. I'm driving through the bush there and all of a sudden God moves on my heart to turn down this trail. <laughs> I go into this village with this old man sitting underneath a tree. And after talking with him and introducing and all the introductions, he said he's been sitting in his village every day around noontime looking up at the sky and this cloud and saying, You know, I believe that you created everything, but who are you? Now, he was praying that for 17 years. And then we show up, and we give him the gospel, and we go through the scriptures, and we go through creation, and we lead and All of a sudden, he understands it. And all of a sudden, wow, he says, well, you know, I've got things that are sort of against God, you know, like my witch." Craft and my crafts and I said well go get them so he went and got them and he threw them in the fire and he burned them and he said I've got, I've got no king no master but Jesus Amen. and God saved his soul when he called upon the name of the Lord that day. you know I've seen that over and over and over in Africa so when people ask me that question what about the heathen I'm saying let me tell you something you're educated into being a fool you're listening to the wrong crowd. You're listening to lies. And you know why you're listening to lies? is because you have rejected the Word. Jesus said in John 17, 17, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy Word is true. That's what it is. When I first got saved, again, I wasn't a Baptist. I wasn't a Catholic. I was, I was your basic boogerhead, man. But I wasn't a fool. I believed there was a God. I believe there was a heaven. I believed in goodness. I had a, by the way, another voice. It's called the voice of conscience. Adam and Eve ate that fruit, right? And they had the knowledge of good and evil. Well, my dad kind of instilled me what was good and what was not good. He told me to tell the truth. You're not supposed to lie. You're not supposed to steal, okay? And so, again, that conscience... But then there's the voice of the canon, the C-A-N-O-N, the Word of God. So if you're listening to the voice of creation, there's a God, I want to know Him. If you're listening to the good part of your conscience, say, God, I want to know you. If you seek God, you'll find Him. I'm telling you. you got to knock. you got to ask. you got to seek. He says, seek Him with all your heart. What did Jesus say? Search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. So what we did was we took the scriptures about Jesus and we testified to those people about Christ. We lifted up the name of Jesus and he drew those people to him. Amen. Amen. Because he said, if you'll lift him up, if you'll praise me, hey, I'll do the rest. I can't save anybody. I can't speak 72 different languages. I mean, that's Africa. But thank God, the English is the national language. Hallelujah. <laughs> so when I would lead somebody the Lord, he may speak five different languages. One time I'm speaking in a village. I got five different tribes there. Brother Ben, I'm going, God, give me the gift of tongues. Please, just the real gift, okay? The one where everyone can hear me speak in their own language. I had five in- interrupters. You know how hard it is to preach with, you know, you're, you're getting excited and you, you got to wait. <laughs> and then you've got to forget where you are and then you, you know. And then when you we give the gospel, this is what is amazing because I know it's not me. I mean, I'm fumbling, I'm doing the best I can, and then I present the gospel. And then each tribe, people are getting out and coming forward and being saved. Because of the gospel. Not because of me. It's because we present the gospel and then God has to do his thing. Spirit of God has to convict. I can't convict anybody. My job is just to give it out. That's my job. Give it out. And I've got to do that. So how do we approach the word of God? Are there mistakes in it? Let me tell you something. I, when I first got saved, I didn't know. I didn't go to Bible school. Okay, I, you know, at that time, I, I was playing ball. I was a ball player. We played ball on Sundays, right during the during the season. So I couldn't go to church. So anytime I had a day off or had a time, I, I went to a Catholic service because one of a couple of guys were Catholics. So you know, we were really early, and you know, I'm walking in there, and I don't know, but. I know I'm saved, but as I go in there, something's telling me there's something not right here. Okay, why? Because I'm seeking truth. I'm not seeking religion. Right. Right. I'm seeking truth. So all of a sudden, something speaks to my spirit and says, You're not, you need not be here. I said, okay, I didn't tell anybody. I just, and I went to a Methodist church. Went to a Lutheran church. The, again, God's spirit telling me. And then I'm going, God, I'm, I'm kind of fed up here. I said, I've been seeking for truth. Will you just help me? I can't seem to find it. And I'm playing ball up in Rochester, New York, AAA ball for the Rochester Red Wings, and God brings me an obnoxious 14-year-old kid that just thinks I'm the best thing since sliced butter. You know what I mean? I mean, he just loves me comes to every ball game. Is there bother, Bonnie, Bobby, Bobby, come on, come, come, come. I said, Pete, I gotta practice. I gotta practice. As soon as I'd get over there and see him, he said, come to my church, come to my church. I said, what church do you go to? He said, First Bible Baptist Church. I said, look, when I get an off day, I'll come. And he's there the next day. Obnoxious. I said, Pete, I gotta I gotta, I'm getting paid to practice. I gotta practice. Okay. I talked to you after the game. Well, I got to go home, and go to sleep, and I got to go to school. He's, I got to talk now. I can't talk now, Pete. And so, I mean, he's just obnoxious. By the way, he's not 14 years old anymore, but he's still obnoxious. I just want you to know that. <laughs> Becky and I were in Milford, Ohio, with Dr. King. I was preaching for Dr. King there, and uh, he lives in Cincinnati now, and him and his wife. So. They slipped in, and I I knew it was. Oh, I said, wow, that obnoxious kid has grown up into an obnoxious adult. Amen. He's still inviting people to church. He's still telling people about Jesus. But anyway, I went to First Bible Baptist church, and I heard the preacher preach. And he lifted this book up, and he said, if I ever, ever say anything against this, he said, you believe this book and get me out of here. I said, I like this. So every time he preached a message, I'd listen to his tapes, I'd get my notebook out, and I'd compare Scripture, and I couldn't find where he was wrong. And so I went, okay, this is where we're going to be. Becky couldn't remember that when we decided we were going to be members at First Bible Baptist Church. And I'm so glad. Why? Because I wanted to know truth, and I was getting truth, and I was being fed. And then while I'm at First Bible Baptist Church, a guy comes up to me and says, uh, Bobby, meet me at church at 11.30 on Monday night. Now, this is after I retired from baseball. I'm teaching in our Christian school. I'm 28 years of age. I'm teaching in our Christian school at First Bible Baptist Church, okay? I'm teaching all day long, waking up around 5, you know, reading my Bible, all that kind of stuff, going to work all day long. I'm coaching, okay, three sports. They've never had baseball in their Christian school. The principal asked me to start a baseball program. 11 young boys come out for the varsity team. Only two could play catch and not get hurt. Uh So we lost every game that first year. It was very humbling, you know, to be a Major League Baseball player and have these 11 guys that have never held a baseball before in their life. But we had a great time. We witnessed, we took tracks to all of our games. We witnessed to the other teams. I witnessed to the other coaches. So it was a wonderful, wonderful time. So I'm also the bus driver. I'm also the, the referee in the basketball games. You know, I mean, I've, I've, I've got Thursday night visitation. I got Saturday morning men's prayer meeting. I got visitation Thursday night, visitation Saturday. We went down to the uh, downtown Rochester, preached on the streets, OK, the bus stops. Now, I'm not a, a guy that, you know, just blasts people because people in Rochester knew who I was. So I'd have 15 or 20 people waiting for a bus, and I would stand there, and i go, hey, everybody, hey, anybody here a Red Wing fan? Yeah, we love the Red Wings. I said, I'm Bobby Bonner. He goes, oh, you're Bobby Bonner? Yeah, we used to watch you play. I said, listen, I'm down here to tell you that Jesus loved you. And he died for you on the cross. And he was buried, and he rose again from the dead. That's how I street preached. You know, I didn't get out there and yell, yeah, you're going to go to hell, and not... yeah, that just not me, okay? Because I, I, that's why when I gave you those, or those cards, I don't know if you noticed, it's got all my information on the back. It's got my cell phone number. It's got my email. It's got our web page. Why? Because if somebody gets saved, I want to help them grow. Okay? I, I don't, I don't want to commit a lot of what we call spiritual abortion. You know what I mean? Somebody gets saved and all of a sudden they just kind of flounder around and fall apart because no one's taking the word of God like Dr. George Grace at First Bible Baptist Church or Mike Metzger or her dad, Alfred Petty. Boy, when I first got saved, I didn't know anything. I didn't know an Old Testament, New Testament. But her father took me in and said, son, let me tell you something. He says, there are two times to serve God. He said, there's two times to read your Bible. He said, there's two times to pray two times to witness. Two times to go to church. I said, really? Just two? He said, yep. He said, when you feel like it and when you don't. <laughs> and so I've never forgot that. That's been my motto throughout my, my life. I get up in the morning sometimes, I don't, I don't feel good. <laughs> you know that feeling. But you keep going. And the reason why you keep going is because he kept going. When you understand and really get it in your heart and mind what Christ did, it's the love of Christ that constraineth us, that motivates us to do anything. He's worthy to be praised. There's three ground rules when it comes to the Word of God. And I know I'm preaching to the choir. I understand that. But the first ground rule is this. This Bible is a spiritual book. A lot of people say, my Bible's so hard to read, I don't understand why I read, why? You don't have the Spirit of God. It's a spiritual book, number one. Number two, we got an enemy. Genesis 3, always casting doubt on the Word of God. That's the first thing that Satan did there in Genesis 3 when he went up to Eve and said, didn't God say you could eat of every tree of the fruit of the garden of course, Eve said, no, we, we can eat all those, but one, we can't eat it. And we can't even touch it, but God didn't say that. So we see Eve change the word of God too because God kind of got confused when Satan started speaking to her because he's the author of confusion. He's also the one who deceives you. Bible college students in Africa all the time, I said, you better believe this book. I said, this is the only truth, real, absolute truth there is in this world. Your government's going to lie to you, people are going to lie to you, the devil's going to lie to you, but it's impossible for God to lie. And so the truth, again, we got an enemy. And then, (laughs) people don't like this, the Bible is the final authority. It's final. As I would go into villages over there, and, and they would, again, some of the people were going to the witch doctor, but they were still going to church. And so I would challenge them. They said, well, you don't know our culture. I said, this is your culture. <laughs> my Bible is my culture. Cultures learn. You know, you take a an Asian or a Filipino or a Chinese or, or uh, someone from the Middle East, or an American, or whatever the case may be, as babies and raise them a certain way, that's what they're going to grow up. They're going to grow up in that culture. And they're going to eat that food. They're going to talk that way. Uh, We had a man in our church that adopted 11 children from around the world as babies. And when he raised them up, none of them spoke in their vernacular languages. They all what? Spoke English. because they were raised in that home all their life. You're a product of your culture. Are you a product of your culture? This is the Word of God, again. What does the Bible say? You know, 2 Timothy 3.16, all Scripture, right? Given by what? Inspiration of God. It's preserved, Psalms 12, 6, and 7, right? Okay, so it says, The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth. Purified seven times, thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt, what? Preserve them from this generation forever. And so again, remember, Satan is the first textual critic, and he's been casting doubt on the Word of God always. Now, on that ground rule three, where it says it's the final authority, it all has to do with our attitude towards this book, the attitude toward it. When reading and studying the Word of God, for it to be consistent in our life. We need to approach the book with the same attitude that we approach God. Hello? If this is God's book and this is His revelation to man, then why don't I approach this book as God actually speaking directly to me? instead of reading it like any other book. Are you with me? You can take my book and you can read it in one sitting and, man, not even probably remember anything, you know, whatever the case may be. But this thing, you can read it over and over and over and over and keep reading it because it feeds us. It feeds the Spirit in us. Faith cometh by hearing Hearing by the Word of God, your faith increases when you have the Word of God in your life. When reading and studying the Word of God, again, we must approach the book with the same attitude as we approach the Lord. The book is the authority. We aren't to criticize it. We are to be criticized by it. Okay? It says in Romans 1.17 that the just shall live by faith. And then Romans 10 says, faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. When we approach the word of God like David did, remember the great psalmist and the one who killed Goliath? In Psalms 119, verse number 18, and David cried out, open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Lord, open my eyes. You see, there's a difference between reading for distance and reading for depth. Okay, I used to read my Bible through once a month. Still read my Bible every day, but I used to read from Genesis to Revelation in one month. Okay. You want to, how, how do you do that? 20 chapters a day, a couple of hours a day. Okay? I would read 10 chapters in the morning, 10 chapters at night. You can do it in one month. But you know, when I got through with that one month, I really didn't capture personally what God was trying to show me until I slowed down. And I realized, wait a minute. If this is God speaking, Then I need to respond to what I hear. Okay? Revelation demands a response. Every time in the Word of God where God spoke, man responded. God spoke to Adam, Adam responded. God spoke to Moses, Moses responded. God spoke to the prophets. The prophets responded. Are are you following me? So, the Word of God is important. We know, okay, yeah, it's going to, it's what we read, it's what we preach, it's everything like that. Well, what does it say in Acts 6-4? We will give ourselves continually to what? To prayer and to the Word. Okay? Okay? Again, there's a difference between seeking the hands of God and seeking the face of God, okay? Now, let's think about that for a minute. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Luke chapter number 11. Luke chapter 11, verse 1. And it came to pass that as he was praying Jesus in a certain place, When he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray. That disciple didn't ask, Lord, teach me to preach. Teach me all about your word, God. Show me wonderful things from thy word, Lord. Hey, teach me how to heal, teach me how to use your power. He said, Teach me how to pray. Teach us to pray. This is not a problem for today's church. This goes all the way back to the beginning of the church and and the problems with the church throughout ages. You know, one of my favorite writers besides the Holy Spirit is Andrew Murray. I love Andrew Murray's writings. Now, I know that he may be a little different, but I love his writings. Why? He had a relationship with God. So I loved his reading. So he was a pastor missionary in South Africa in the 1800s, okay? And so back in the 1800s, they called like a huge meeting of all the pastors in that South Africa region to come to a convention to discuss the problems each of the churches were facing in that part of the world. And after deliberation for several days, they came up with the greatest problem in the church that existed in the 1890s and he said it was the sin of prayerlessness we don't know how to pray we don't know how to seek God's face turn with me to the book of Psalms to the book of Psalms chapter number I think it's 27, yes, chapter 27, a psalm of David. Look at verse 4. One thing have I desired of the Lord that I will notice, what does it say? Seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to choir in His temple. Now, David was not talking about, he was talking about that physical temple, you know, where they would go, and and they would praise God, and they would worship God. You know, in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19 and 20, the New Testament, the Bible for the church, right? Paul wrote, he said, your body is the temple of God, and God lives in you. Oh, one thing I desire Oh, God, is for you to be in this temple, for you to be here, and I can talk, and we can commune, and we can have a relationship. Let me tell you something. There's two purposes of prayer, two, just two. One purpose is so that we can develop a love relationship with God himself, with Jesus. Men don't like that. (laughs) what do you mean a relationship you know come on love is not a feeling it's an act of your will come on and I submit my will to his teaching to what he wants me to do because I want to be face to face with the Lord I want to hear what the spirit is saying indeed into the church I want to hear what he's saying today I want to have that relationship with him and the second purpose of prayer is to receive assignments Hello. See a lot of times don't we pray like this Lord this is what I'm going to do this is where I'm going to go and Lord I want you to bless it okay and you're not even there yet and what you're doing is you're walking by sight and not by faith you're not getting your assignments from God so we have to approach this book as bible believers this is god's mind heart will this is for us today and we have to understand it's the revelation of god speaking to us so as i read just one verse i need to kind of maybe meditate upon that for a second and see what god is saying to me one thing if i desired of the lord that i will seek after what are we seeking after I just want him. I know I love you, brother. I've been praying for you. I've been through some physical things, too. I know I was at the point in my life many years ago, several years ago, I just wanted to go home and be with Jesus. I got tired of the suffering, I got tired of the pain. I thank God for her she said, I had my hands in the air, and I'm saying, Lord, take me home. My wife put her hand over my mouth, said, Don't listen to him. He's delirious. <laughs> One thing have I desired. I want to seek him. Go, go down. Look what it says. Verse 7. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me and answer me. Oh God, answer me. Please, oh God, as I talk to you, give me an answer. Give me some assurance from your word. And then look what he says. (laughs) When thou saidest, seek ye my what? My heart said unto thee, thy face, Lord, will I seek. Woo! All prayer should exist for the glory of God. Of God. When we limit ourselves to only seeking His hand, we may miss His face. When we approach prayer, I think we often ask, (laughs) I like this, what am I going to talk to God about this hour? But the right question ought to be, What is God going to tell me in this hour? Because He's the one that gives me the revelation, and then I respond to it. You know, if we would ever learn to pray back the Word of God and the will of God to the one who wrote this thing, it's impossible to lie, we might even get some of the petitions that we desire of Him. Are you with me? Because sometimes I think we ask amiss, as John says. We consume it upon our lust. When you know what? I just want to know Him. I just want to be involved in what He wants me to do. I want to serve Him. See, worship is the response of all I am to the revelation of all He is. That's my response. Because He is worthy. He's worthy to seek. He's worthy to listen to. Lord, teach us to pray. To say that the power and the potential of prayer is dynamic is an understatement. God can do anything, anything. God can heal. God can bring people into your life that you never thought. I mean, the, the ministry in Africa, when I look at what happened, it wasn't me, it was God. But what was I doing? I was walking in His Word. That's what I was doing. I was just trying to be faithful listening to Him and walking as He gives me light unto my path. And I'm walking and all of a sudden the doors begin to open. And all of a sudden we get into Zambia and the doors are closed. You've heard my test. My my life verse, my life chapter is Hebrews 11. Okay? Because it starts out with the Word. The worlds were framed by the Word of God. Then it says, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice. That's worship. Then it said, Enoch. Enoch walked with God. Then Noah prepared an ark. He worked. God gave him something to do. God supplied all the resources. And then it says, Abraham journeyed to a place. He didn't even know where he was going because he was looking for a city whose foundations, his builder, is God. And he journeyed there by faith. He sojourned in the land of promise. I live there, I trust, I believe, I look forward, I understand where I need to be, I need to be in the will of God, I need to be in the word of God, I need to be seeking his face. You know, the book of Matthew tells us in verse chapter 6, verse 32 and 33, he says, for all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of, of all of these things. He says, verse 33, but seek ye first. Amen. The ki- seek the kingdom of God. God is a spirit. Seek God's face in your prayer time. Seek Him and use the word of God that's the Perfect Word of God. Use it and allow Him to give you revelation. Then you can respond. And you can praise Him. And then you can come before Him. And by the time you get done praising Him, guess what will happen? You'll probably look into your heart and examine yourself and you'll go, Wow, God, I'm not as clean as I need to be. There's some things in my life. You remember... When Jesus went into the temple and He saw the money changers and He made a whip and He went in there and He threw them all out He said, My house shall be a house of prayer. We're the temple of God. We're supposed to be a house of prayer. What is in there? What are the tables inside of us? What are we using to buy and sell and, and have our own little vision? Our own little what, what do we what do we want? Or or is it is just God. Just get full of Him. And the only way that's going to happen is for us to seek Him with all of our heart. And then guess what will happen? God? I just trust you, and I can walk by faith, and I can walk in your word. Remember the two purposes of prayer. Develop a love relationship with God and get some assignments for daily work, okay? Through the word of God, okay? Those are powerful, powerful things. You see, when his face is withdrawn from us or set against us, misery is on its way. But no matter what I'm going through in my life, if my face is fixed to know him, whew, the peace that passeth all understandings. 9 11, I'm in Africa. Planes hit the towers. Embassy calls, tells us to keep a low profile. They don't know what's going on. The Bible college is right outside our door. We built it in the bush there. We got a dormitory. All of a sudden, a couple of the students walked over and said, Brother Bonner, there's a man. He must see the missionary. So I went out, and I talked to him, and he had walked 22 miles from the town of Lawancha, walked 22 miles to find me. So I go into the little office there that we'd built, a little cubicle, and I said, Yes, can I help you? And he said, My name is uh, Muhammad Abdul. And I didn't know what was going to happen after that. He said, Can you help me find peace? I said, What? He said, I've been brought up all my life to hate. He said, I'm tired of hating. I'm tired of wanting to kill other people. I'm, I'm just tired of that. I, I can't sleep. I must find peace. I said, I can introduce you to someone who's called the Prince of Peace. So after about an hour and a half, I took him through scriptures and answered his questions, and Abdul fell on his face before God and cried out, to Jesus Christ to save us When he got up off his knees, Brother Ben, his countenance was just changed. The anger and hurt in his face had just turned to relief. And he found the Prince of Peace. Wow. That's the only way, gang. This world's getting worse and worse and worse. It's not getting better. I've read the back of the book. I know what's coming. Woo! Even so, come Lord Jesus. I'm not looking for the undertaker. I'm looking for the taker. I'm ready for the trumpet. I see clouds in the sky, and I wonder, are you there? Because we're going to meet Him in the clouds one day. We need His face to shine upon us. We need His face to bless us, to envelop us. And when we're obedient to His commands, The overflow of intimacy oh, and blessings are going to flow from His presence into our very lives. What is sad many times as we engage in prayer is there's very little thought to the presence of God being in our prayer time. Think about that because we're always kind of seeking his hands instead of his.